This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. If you listen to The Comeback Podcast frequently, you know that we usually don't have episodes that are not comeback stories. Typically, the episodes that we have are stories of people who have gone through addiction or faith crisis, some similar life challenge that has eventually brought them back to the church. Elena's story, it's not a comeback story, but I found it so inspiring how she was so passionate about her mission and how going home early from her mission was such a trial for her and how she found healing from that trial. I just wanted to preface this episode by saying this is not a comeback story. However, Every once in a while, we just feel inspired to share stories that are not comeback stories. I hope you enjoy Elena's story. Um, she's such a special person, and we're super excited to have her on the podcast. Well, it's so good to have you on the podcast. I know that you've kind of shared your story on a couple other places, like on Saints Unscripted, and I'm excited to hear the the firsthand version of your story. I am excited to be here. I am shaking. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we go ahead and just jump in? Let's talk about kind of where it all started. So my story kind of starts in 2017, really. But before that, I grew up in the church. I'm the second oldest in my family. We did a lot of foster care and a lot of exchange students. So our home was always open to other people. And we adopted my younger sister, Josie, and we got sealed in the temple. And ever since all of that experience and being young, I have always wanted to serve a mission. My dad served a mission in Canada, and he'd always share stories of his experiences. And I loved watching the best two years on repeat. I just always wanted to be a missionary. So yeah, from a very young age, have always wanted to serve a mission. When I was about 17, I was kind of on the fence about it. I wasn't sure if that was a path I should take or if I should pursue my education more or it kind of got more of a more of a complicated decision. In July of 2017, my family and I, we went to the Hilkamore pageant, which is a play essentially of the Book of Mormon, and we were able to participate in it. When I went, it was a great, wonderful experience. I loved being there. It was like summer camp. It was a lot of fun. Every time that we'd put on a show, we'd go out into the audience and we would just share a little bit about the Book of Mormon and answer any questions or share spiritual thought. And there were people from all over the world that came. And whenever somebody didn't speak English, somebody was always there to say, hey, I served my mission in Brazil. I served my mission in Argentina. And they were able to go and talk to the people. I just thought to myself, like, wow. I want to do this and wouldn't it be cool if I spoke a language like I want to be able to connect with more of God's children and I want to be able to speak their language. So that was a big motivating force for me. I thought about it and I prayed about it and I said, okay, Heavenly Father, I'll go on a mission, but only if I go to London, England. I had this weird obsession with London. I just really wanted to serve in London. But over time, the Lord like softened my heart and was like, yo, chill you gotta like be more willing than that and i thought well if i'm learning a language i guess the easiest would be spanish i was really nervous about going somewhere like third world um just for me personally i feel like i would take it hard so i was like where besides the us because i also i don't know for me i was like 
my family, we've traveled back and forth all across the U.S. I thought if I was in the U.S., that I would think I'm three days away from home in my RV because we always go on camping trips in our RV. And so for me, I was like, that doesn't feel right. So where besides the Americas could I go? And I just had this impression of Spain. I was like, oh yeah, Spain's a country and it's in Europe. So I mean, that's like a compromise, I guess. So from October of 2017 forward, I was like, that's where I'm serving. Um, whenever anybody had asked me, Eventually, I started working on my paperwork and things got complicated. I had a lot of medical problems and a lot of waiting that I had to do. I had a severe anemia. I had a lot of anxiety and there were just things that I needed to work out. And I was really bummed because I wanted to submit my papers. And actually, when I was supposed to submit my papers and I couldn't, it was general conference. And I got to go and perform in general conference and we sang I'll go where you want me to go. And it was just like, all right, Elena, like chill out. You need to like, just trust the process. In March, I got my wisdom teeth taken out and my dad was trying to mess with me and trying to trick me. And he said, oh, you're going to Narnia and Lucy's going to be your companion. And I was like, no, I'm going to Spain. Like I was stuck on that. And eventually I was able to submit my papers in June and I received my call in July and I opened it and I was called to serve in the Barcelona, Spain mission. Wow. That's crazy. A lot of leading up. So basically a whole year from the time I was at Hilcomora to opening my call, um, it was process. And when I opened my call, it said that I'd be leaving in December. Um, so I had five more months to wait and it was a long five months, but eventually I made it and I made it to the Provo MTC. And then when I was in the MTC, getting ready to go to Spain, right before leaving, they reassigned me to Pocatello because my visa hadn't come in yet. So I'm like, here's another thing, another thing to wait on. Like my soul has been yearning for Spain for over a year and that's the only place I want to be. And at the last possible minute, like the day of, I got my visa and I was able to fly to Spain in January of 2019. That's kind of how leading up to my mission. And then on my mission, I have a lot of problems, a lot of struggles. Um, I struggled a lot with homesickness, um, missing my family. I had never lived alone before. And I don't think that serving a mission <laughs> in a foreign country is the way to start out. So that was really a struggle for me. I got teased and made fun of a lot by people that I thought would would be better, would care about me more, like my companion or uh, members or whatever. And looking back, I, I kind of can see with kinder eyes that, you know, maybe they weren't in the best circumstance or in the best situation either. I missed my sister's wedding. We're essentially twins and that was rough. Basically, I had a rough go at it at the start and they announced that we can call home and that was just like such a blessing to me to be able to talk to my family and to talk to my sisters and just connect in that way. So even though I did have hardships, I had a lot of good times as well. I made so many new friends. I met people I would otherwise had not had the opportunity to meet. I made so many memories and got to travel and visit Spain, which is beautiful. It's the most beautiful country ever. Um, I love it. And it is a place dear to my heart. 
and I was able to get better at Spanish and able to strengthen my testimony and able to be a witness of other people's transformations as well. And I think that my mission was for sure a pivotal time in my life. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that I had to go. Not everybody gets to serve a mission and not everybody gets to go to their dream mission, but I did. And it was an incredible blessing. So I left in 2018 in December and I was set to come home in 2020 in June. So that's the year and a half. And of course, a global pandemic happened and it was, I mean, for everybody, but myself included, it was earth shattering. I wanted to share a little bit about my story with, with that. I had heard rumors from like my mom who was being cautious of the situation and stuff that there was some sickness going around and that it could possibly be an epidemic or a pandemic in February. So about a month before, Italy was put on lockdown. Uh, if you remember, Italy had basically just was taken over by the coronavirus. So all the missionaries in Italy were forced to be at home and to be in lockdown, essentially. Because of hearing these rumors, we thought, you know, we're going to be next. Like, it's going to be us. We got to prepare. Um, our mission president and his wife told us, make sure that you have two weeks worth of food ready and just at a moment's notice, be ready to go back home and to stay out. So we went to the grocery stores, you know, did our, our best to prepare. And I remember sending pictures to my family, probably not a good idea, but I sent pictures to my mom and I said, um, so this is a grocery store right now, completely empty. One day we went out and we got all our groceries and we went to the mall because the mall is just like a place with a lot of people we were going to go teach or we got the text that it was time to go home and to stay home. So we went and at first everybody was like, this is good vibes. Like I've been working for 15 months straight and now we get to have this weekend off and it's going to be so nice. So spirits were high. <laughs> And then um, we spent a lot of our time, you know, messaging the members, messaging our friends, reading, watching church movies, and just, you know, trying to pass the time and trying to be upbeat and positive about it. Eventually, um, we found out that the April group, so the group before mine, um, was being sent home early. I had a lot of questions, so I decided to call my mission president's wife. Um, Ermana Galli, who I love so deeply. I just have such a soul connection with her and she's just always been such a blessing in my life. But I called her and I asked her, you know, what is happening? What is going on with the missionaries? What is going on with who's being sent home, who's not? My parents had a lot of worries about, will borders be closed? Will you be able to come home? Are you going to be stuck there? You finish your mission in two and a half months. Like, are you going to be there for two and a half years? So there was a lot of questions that I had. And I called her and I asked her these things. She just asked me, you know, how are you doing? And I said, I was doing okay. I said, I'm not anxious. I'm not scared or anything. I'm just confused. I don't know why some people are going home, why people are staying. I don't know if I'm going to be sent home next. And I just wanted answers. 
and she just said have you heard this song from frozen next best thing song i was like yeah i think i've heard it once she's like that's all you got to do sister graham you just got to do the next best thing and it was a good conversation we hung up and i told my companion the information that i had gained which was little all of a sudden but moments after telling my companion what was just discussed she calls me back and she says Hey, Elena, you have three minutes to decide. Are you going to go home or not? And I was just like, we just had this chill conversation. I told you I'm not anxious. I'm not afraid or anything. Like, it was out of left field. It was out of the blue. I was just confronted with this decision out of nowhere. I just thought, well, what you going to do? You got to pray about it, right? So I said a prayer, and I basically said, Heavenly Father, I have no idea why your Monogali asked me this. Obviously, this pandemic is happening. I was looking for answers, and I'm still doing so, and I want an answer. I just thought, okay, I'm going to text her Monogali back, and I'm going to say, yep, I'm staying. So I texted her back, and I texted my mom the situation, and I texted her that I was going to stay, and I felt this slight hit in my stomach of mm -mm. like that that wasn't I didn't know if it wasn't the right choice but it was just kind of like a weight and I immediately called Ermana Galli in tears and I said Ermana Galli I don't know what to do I want to stay I want to stay so badly but I just have this weight and she said okay I can give you a little bit more time um, talk it over with your family and get back to me. And I was like, okay. So I called my mom and my mom is the kind of person who will let you make your own choice. She would never force you to make a single choice. And she just said, Elena, this is your mission. It is up to you. You can do what you want, which was kind of tough because I was begging for an answer because I know myself well enough that I knew if I were to make the choice that I would take the blame and put it on myself. But if I just asked, okay, my mom said that I have to go home. So then that's my mom's choice. And I came home for my mom or Armana Galli said that I have to go home. I was more willing to follow a direction given than a decision to be made. She's like, I'm going to call your dad and update the situation. And I want you to talk to him. A couple minutes later, my dad calls. I just pour out my heart to him. I'm like, dad, this is where we're at. I logically, we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know if I'm going to be stuck here. We don't know if I'm on the next plane out. Like we have no idea what's going to happen next. I just had a regular conversation with Armada Galli, asked her some questions, and she's brought this decision to me. And I don't know what to do. I really want to stay, but this feeling is telling me that I shouldn't or that I can't, and I don't know why. He thought about it. He just said, Elena, do you know the story of Abraham? And I said, yeah, like, of course I know the story of Abraham. And he said that Abraham was willing to follow the Lord's direction. He was willing to make that big uh, sacrifice of uh, his son, right? And he did everything. He brought his son to the altar. He made the altar. He had everything prepared. And at the last possible moment, 
an angel appeared and said, stop, you don't have to do this. You've proven your faith. You've proven that you would follow through with the Lord's command, but you don't have to because your faith is sufficient. And my dad basically told me, Elena, that is what the Lord has done. The Lord gave you the decision to stay or go. And he knows, he knows that you would stay and that you want to stay. But he also knows that your faith is sufficient and that you can go home. And he just said, and when you come home, if you decide that, I will be right here to hold you. Even though my dad didn't make the decision for me, even though he didn't demand, you know, come home, Elena, pack up your bags. Having his approval of somebody that I love and somebody that I trust and somebody that I've looked up to as a missionary was just like empowering to me. Just like this is a loving earthly father who knows my heart and knows my desire to stay, but also knows that whatever happens, he will love me and he'll be proud of me. I just said, okay, I'm going to go. It surprised me that I had decided to leave. So I called my friends. I took a nap, bawled my eyes out, and then spent the whole night packing up my apartment. And the next morning, I um, went to the bus station. And we lived next to this uh, mall. It had, like, this huge reflective wall of mirrors. And I remember just dragging my suitcase behind me and looking at myself in the mirror and just seeing my world crumbling, just the light of my eyes gone. And I went on the bus and I went on the train to Barcelona, spent the night, and then the next morning I was on a plane. And I happened to be on the plane right at sunrise. I mention this because our song in the mission was called Omos Los Llamados, like, oh, or you are called. But a lyric in that says something along the lines of, like, look at the sunrise, look at all the light you will bring to the people of Spain. And that was rough. This poor little woman next to me just was like, I don't know what this girl's going through, but she's having a hard time. And I came home. And home was difficult to adjust to. I didn't do any of my plan. I didn't have any sort of missionary preparation to be home. And on top of that, I was now living in a global pandemic. And it surprised me how strict Spain was versus the U.S. In Spain, you could be fined $5,000 for being out in the street when you weren't supposed to. You could only be out to go to work, obtain medicine or food, and that was it. Like, any other reason, you'd get fined We'd go out on the balconies and we'd clap for, you know, the nurses and doctors and other essential workers. And in the U.S., it was just like, okay, you haven't seen your family in 15 months and now you can't go hug them. You still have to wait. So I still had to wait a whole year before I was able to hug my grandparents who live five minutes away from me. So I essentially didn't hug them for two and a half years. Um... So just life was rough. And any time that anybody mentioned missions or Spain or whatever, I just, I was just distraught. I would break down and just cry. And I had a lot of emotions that came with that. I had feelings of regret, of sadness, of disappointment. And about two weeks from being home, 
two weeks later, I had a dream, a nightmare, and it was in Spanish, which surprised me because I had never dreamt in Spanish before. Despite all my time in Spain, I never dreamt once in Spanish. And in this dream, it was a woman who was yelling at me and who basically said, you left us, you abandoned us, you forgot about us. How could you? How could you leave when we needed you? And you left. It was just, it felt so real. I just woke up and just bawled my eyes out from this dream, this nightmare. And that is just the emotions of that and the thought of thoughts from that, I just carried with me for a very long time. I felt like I left the people I loved when they needed me. And I felt that I had abandoned them and that I had disappointed my Heavenly Father, that I was selfish and I came home and I ran away. So I had a lot of those feelings for a long time. And eventually, last July, I was able to go back. I went by myself first. I was there for about a week by myself, and then I later met up with my family. But in that week by myself, I stayed with members and visited my areas. And I had a lot of anxiety about visiting that last area, Zaragoza. I didn't know if the members would remember me or worse, they would remember me and they would hate me because I left them, which sounds like crazy. Like, I don't, I don't know, but these were the thoughts I just had. I was like, they're going to hate me. They're going to be disappointed in me in particular. I have a question for you during yeah. this time that you were struggling. I mean, clearly it's a mental struggle for you to like leave your mission and how were you able to like maintain your faith despite such mental turmoil surrounding something that's supposed to be such a spiritual experience and such a, you know, serving the Lord on a mission? Like, how did that not challenge your faith in a way that you're like struggling mentally with all of these things? What was that like? From the moment I left, I had this a comfort thought, you know, I had all these bombarding negative thoughts, but I had one comfort thought that stood out to me. And it was the thought, remember those times before your mission where you wanted to go to Spain? Remember all those miracles and all those steps that you had to take that you made it through to get to where you are now? And I just thought, you know, the same God who called me to Spain called me home. And that was something that I would kind of use to combat. I thought, you know, my Heavenly Father knows me so much and so personally. He knew I wanted to go to Spain. He knew that I needed to meet the people that I met. He has shown again and again throughout my life this truth that I am his daughter and that he knows me personally and that he loves me. And so that was the thought that I held on to the most was, Elena, Heavenly Father loves you. You're his daughter. He knows, like, the desires of your heart. And he has brought you this far. That was kind of the, the hope that I held on to um, through all that. I made it back, and I was scared to go to Zaragoza. That was my last area. I showed up on a Sunday on purpose. I thought, I haven't been to church in Zaragoza in a long time. And my last Sunday that I was here, I was it was canceled, obviously. So I want to go to church. I showed up. Everybody remembered me. 
they recognized me. They invited me to sit with them. It was the last Sunday of the month, and they were learning about missionary work. Of course, they happened to be. And I was sitting in the congregation, and they said, we want to invite all the current missionaries and former missionaries to come up and sing called to serve. And the woman next to me said, come on, Elena, like, let's go. I went up and sent called to serve, and I recognized the new missionaries serving in the area, and I went and talked to them, and I asked if they had stayed and if they were staying in my old apartment. I really wanted to go back to my old apartment and have some closure there, just kind of have a moment there. Unfortunately, they didn't live there anymore. So I was like, okay, I guess I can admire it from the outside. It's fine. And I met up with other people. I wanted to go see the boys that I had taught. I taught these two boys. They're sons of a single mom. And they're kind of, uh, they have a hard time getting to church sometimes. And I just I didn't see them at church that day. So I just thought, I'm going to go see them. I found them and I went to their house. And I had a good conversation with them. And I was talking to the mom and the mom said, actually, I need your help. My fridge got unplugged somehow and i need to plug it back in but it's really heavy and we have to unload things we got to move it i was like i don't know what you see in me there was zero muscular strength here um but i can do my best and she said yeah i would call the bishop but i know that it's sunday and that he probably wants to be with his family i thought to myself mm, you know who's not with their family right now the missionaries let's hit them up right now so we sent a message to the missionaries and the elders came, got to make the elders do the dirty work. Am I right? Like, what else are we going to do Sunday afternoon? So they came and they moved the fridge so they could plug it back in and put all the stuff back in. They recognized me from church and they said, hey, Sister Graham, how long are you going to be here? And I said, oh, just today and tomorrow. And then I leave the next day. And they said, well, we're teaching this woman. She's really wanted to meet with the sisters. Um, there aren't any sisters here, but we were wondering if you were available, if you wanted to go. I played it cool. I was like, yeah, I guess I can make room in my schedule. I guess that's okay. They left, and when they left, I was just so overjoyed and just so happy because they had the thought to invite me. And I didn't get a last last lesson in Spain. I didn't get to teach one more time. And so to be able to go to church, which I didn't do, and to see the people that I taught, which I didn't get to do, and then now to be able to go teach a lesson one more time was just incredible. So I went to the member's house that I was staying at, bawled my eyes out the entire time. <laughs> and the next day I woke up, went to some member's houses to have lunch and dinner, and then... Um, I met up with the missionaries at the woman's house. The elders introduced me and they said, we know that you've been wanting to learn from the sisters. Unfortunately, there aren't any sisters in the area. In fact, this is Sister Graham. She was the last sister to serve in Zaragoza. So there hadn't been sisters there for two years. And when I didn't realize I was the last sister, so that hit me. And the woman was just, her face lit up and she was so overjoyed to see me. She came up to me and hugged me and she like squeezed me so tight. And she said something that I think she meant like in general, but to me, it felt so personal. She just said, oh, how I've missed you. And I, I've never met this woman before. 
And I was like, so we taught the lesson and it was the first lesson, which is basically about like the restoration. It includes a lot about the atonement of Jesus Christ. And the elders spent a lot of time on that point in particular in the lesson. And I was just overjoyed. I was just overwhelmed. We finished the lesson. I'm talking to the elders out on the street. And I don't know what they were thinking. I was happy. I was a mess. I looked like a disaster. And I'm talking to these two 18-year-olds. I'm like, thanks so much for inviting me. And I just basically said, this is an incredible opportunity, a miracle. In the past two days that I've been here, I've been able to do all the things that I never got to do before I left. And I finally feel this weight lifted off of me. And I feel that I can, like my soul can rest, that I have found peace and healing and that I finally finished, completed my mission in the way that I had only hoped and only dreamed I would. And they were so sweet. I wish I could have hugged them, but I didn't. <laughs> I just said, please take care of my people. Please take care of my city and love them and enjoy your time as a missionary because it can go at any, any moment. It can be gone. Yeah, after that, I went and visited a couple of my other areas and I flew to the islands. I served in Mallorca to meet up with my family. And when my family was there, they had never been to Spain before. They'd never met anybody I taught. I went with my dad to go visit a family, uh, members that I love dearly, Miriam and Luis. And we went and had dinner at their house. My dad doesn't speak any Spanish. So it was just me rambling in Spanish to the wife and him just eating the chicken and rice. And at the very end, I asked, you know, like, is there anything you want to say to Miriam? And he just said, like, thank you so much for taking care of my daughter and for loving her um, when she was so far away from me. Miriam said, of course, like, how could I not love her? She's she's my little daughter, too. She's my little girl, too. And it was just like, it was just incredible to see my two worlds collide and to see the love that people from home and that people from Spain had for me that I was able to be that bridge between the two things that I love, the two people, the two countries that I love. I also forgot a part of Zaragoza. <laughs> so after the lesson with the elders, I went back to the member's house and she just said, you know, Elena, how was your day? And I said, this has been the best day ever, like the best day of my life. I kind of confided in her these fears that I had. I was like, you know, I was super scared to come here. I didn't know if anybody would remember me or if they would hate me. And she just said, pause. And she said, how did the members treat you? And I said, so good. Like, they've hugged me. They've kissed me. They've fed me. You know, they loved me. And she said, yeah, do you think that they would do those things with somebody they didn't love, that they didn't care about? And I just was like, no. And she's like, yeah, you were a good missionary. You did your work. You were here for the time that you needed to be. And we love you and we remember you. And she just said, don't you dare ever think those bad negative thoughts ever again. And I have kept my word. I have kept my promise since being home after that experience of going back and 
visiting Spain, visiting the people that I loved, and especially that that time that I had in Zaragoza, it has been like black and white. Before I was a wreck, I would be devastated to hear anything about any missionaries going to Spain or anybody visiting Spain, but not me. But then after, I just had so much peace and so much clarity. And I was reminded of that comfort, that comforting thought. Elena, the same God that called you to Spain was the God that called you home. I still don't have all the answers. I don't know why. I don't know why I came home. I don't know why the global pandemic happened. I don't know why many people came home. I do know that our Heavenly Father loves us and knows us personally and knows our desires and our wants and that we will get the answers at some point, whether that's in this life. Like for me, luckily, that was my story. I got some answers in this life. But whether that's in this life or the next life, we'll know because God has a plan for each of us. I love that so much. And I think that it's super applicable to like any hard thing that we go through in life where, you know, why did this happen? Why did, there's just so many things that are individual to people and why they go through them. And it's hard to know like what the, what the purpose is behind it. But I think like that is so applicable, like the same God that designs and orchestrates beautiful experiences for us is the same God that allows challenges to come in our life. And I think it's to teach and to refine us to be better people. And it's, it's sometimes it's hard to see, you know, why, but I love that you spoke so perfectly to that of why we are refined and why we go through these hard things. So what advice would you have for a missionary that goes home early and they're struggling mentally, or they feel like they're not good enough because they didn't finish their mission? What advice would you have for them? I am the kind of person that I carry a lot. I care. I put a lot of pressure on myself and I don't give myself the room or grace that I give other people. And that's something that I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have been kinder to myself. I jumped to conclusions. I just thought I did this because X, Y, and Z. I did this because I was selfish. I did this because whatever reason it was. And I think we need to look at ourselves and look at our past selves with kinder eyes. That's something that I wish I would have done more. A lot of times I had to be reminded, you know, when I came home, I thought my group's going to be next. They're going to be on the next plane out. And they weren't. And I thought, you know, am I missing out? And my missionaries, they didn't end up being able to leave their apartments until July, until a month after I would have left. So did I really miss out? You know, you can't keep thinking what ifs. You can't keep thinking, I made this decision decision for this reason. Looking back, I feel like I made the best decision with the information that I had and with the promptings that I had at the time. If I were to be in that situation right now, would I make that same choice? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't have to think that. I don't have to think what if. It's happened, it's done, and I did what I felt was right, and I just got to trust my gut in that. I love that so much. Well, your story is so beautiful. Like, it's just such a beautiful testimony of trusting in the Lord and 
Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for taking the time to share your story and your testimony with our listeners. And you're just awesome. Thank you. You too. Big fan. Big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I feel like everybody has been affected by COVID. And obviously my heart goes out for the missionaries that came home early in that circumstance. But I think that You know, we just need to be kind to one another. We don't know what battles or trials or sacrifices we've had to make in the past couple of years, whether that's not graduating, not seeing family, having family pass away. I feel like there's a lot of darkness and a lot of difficult trials that have happened. I think my advice is to just trust in the Lord that he knows, knows you, knows your path, knows the plan and that he loves you. He truly, truly loves you. That's just my bit of advice. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much, Elena. It was so fun having you on the podcast. Thank you. I loved it. Hey guys, first off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.